your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Thomas Welch. And I'm Josh Hyman. And we got a fun one for you today. We're going to talk about Gabriel Landeskog a little bit more in the free agency and the numbers he's currently looking at. Could the Blues potentially pull off a destination spot with him coming to St. Louis? Uh, We're also going to talk about the expansion draft because this is the last episode before the protection lists are submitted, I believe, tomorrow. So we're going to talk Mm -hmm. about everything that's going into that before we break that all down. I want to remind you guys about Spotify Greenroom because this episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. So download the Spotify Greenroom app and find one of our locked on rooms today. It's a ton of fun. Josh and I will be running one soon. You can hop in, talk about anything you want with us, the expansion draft, the entry draft, Landis Gog, any free agents you guys uh, think we should acquire. Report came out. I believe Andy Strickland dropped the bomb that Landis Gog's camp is looking for nine to ten million dollars on the open market. The Avalanche are currently sitting at $5 million as the longest-term deal, average annual value that they offered to Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, How likely do you think it is that St. Louis Blues can bring him home, play some hockey with his good buddy, Ryan O'Reilly, or how likely do you think it is that he leaves the Colorado Avalanche come next season? Um, I think first of all, if that nine to ten million dollar price tag is true, I don't think he ends up with St. Louis. I I think Doug Armstrong is very, very, very tentative when it comes to overpaying for big fish free agents. I know we mentioned that before we started recording today. Um, the last time he's really gone out and gotten a big fish was Paul Stasny and. Um, you know, that ended up working out decently for the blues, but even then it wasn't even, it wasn't the same sort of scenario of a guy asking for nine to $10 million. So I, I think there's probably a, a higher chance than a lot of people think that Landis Cog ends up re-signing with the Colorado avalanche, just because in terms of fit, it makes the most sense. Um, they're a team that's poised to be contenders for, you know, a, lo- a long time. Uh, moving forward and they're also a team that can potentially afford to give him the contract that he wants if if it is nine to ten million dollars i don't think colorado gives that to him but i i do think that the five million dollars uh aav that they're offering him is is insultingly low so i wouldn't be surprised to see sort of negotiation tactics like maybe the the nine to ten million dollar asking price is just just a negotiation tactic trying to get his his value up from from colorado um I think $8 million would be the sweet spot where I'd be comfortable if the Blues went out and, and went after him. But it really does tie into what we talked about yesterday and the the youth of this team lacking. And as much as I would love Gabriel Landeskog, if the Blues were to go out and sign him to a 9 or $10 million deal for the next seven years, that has the potential to absolutely cripple them financially moving forward. Um, so it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that the Blues would go out and sign someone for that much money. You know, having Gabriel Landeskog be far and away the most expensive player on their roster, um, and he's not—he's not, not going to be uh, young forever. So it just—it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense the way that the reports are coming out right now. But a lot can change, and again, it could just be smoke and mirrors. Um, he could be closer to a deal with Colorado than we think. 
the final number might end up being around seven and a half, eight mil, which would make a lot more sense for the Blues to sign him. But as of right now, I don't think it makes sense. For me, I don't I don't see any way that Colorado could come above like seven, really. And even that I feel like is a little bit steep for them. Like if you're trying to pay Philip Grubauer, potentially Kale McCarr and all of these guys, I, I don't see how they could offer him anywhere close to what he's asking for. And sounding like if they do potentially trade or acquire Darcy Kemper this offseason, which I don't know why Arizona would trade with them when they're going to be in the same division and potentially help them out. But that adds a little bit of relief for them. Graves moving adds a little bit of relief for them. But that's pennies when it comes to, like you said, nine to $10 million contract. The thing here is I agree with you about the youth. And like we went on that whole tangent yesterday. I wouldn't mind Gabriel Landeskog at $8 million a year for the next, for the next like three or four years, potentially competing for a Stanley cup. And honestly, like the back end of that contract, I agree with you might look a little bit sore if you're paying a ton of money, but at $8 million, I think I'd be okay with it. The problem with that line of thinking is no one said anything about that with Alex Petrangelo and he's gone. Like there was no, well, maybe if you overpay him a little bit and like maybe that no movement clause looks great for like the first four or five six years but then like uh the last couple of years like that's gonna be brutal but I think we can live with that no it was the last half of that contract is gonna be brutal you don't want to give him no movement clause uh all of these things and now he's shipped out the door so I don't know why that line of thinking would all of a sudden change for Gabriel Landeskog especially when Alex Petrangelo was your captain and the guy you had in the room and Landeskog is a guy that's You've watched play elsewhere for however long, but it's definitely going to be interesting. Like we said on the last episode at the end of the day, Landis Gog is a huge piece and really sounds like the cash cow for this St. Louis Blues team this offseason. Uh, it, it sounds like he's their priority number one. So if they can make that happen, they could be sitting pretty for at least the coming years and the end of this Stanley Cup window. So we'll see what happens. It's tough because as much as, you know, for this season, next season, the season after that, the season after that, even it would be great to have a guy like Gabriel Landeskog um, coming in and, and really making a solid impact. We talked about game breaker, and I don't know if Gabriel Landeskog is quite a, a game breaker that we were talking about, but he's he's pretty close, and he would probably he would instantly become you know one of the best few forwards on this roster um, and fill in a huge hole for the Blues. But like you mentioned with Petrangelo, it really felt like everybody was accepting of the fact of oh yeah i'm fine with him leaving because we don't want to pay him that much when he's 33 34 35 um and then you get a guy like gabriel landeskog and it feels like everyone's like oh yeah sign sign landeskog doesn't matter how long get him away from colorado um and it feels a little disingenuous just because it is the exact same situation but like you said the first guy was was our captain hoisted a Stanley cup for this franchise and then the other guy was you know, playing for a rival and, and has no history with this team other than was on a line with Ryan O'Reilly seven years ago or whatever, how long, however long. But I do also was. think that that's part of the conversation is like, okay, you're getting a guy in Landeskog in the room that is substantially making your team better, but also at the same time, you're crippling Colorado, who is probably going to lead the way in your division once again, and getting rid of not only one of their top wingers, but their captain as well. And I think Maybe that's that's why there's some added value there, but it is it is definitely a an interesting dichotomy for sure. Yeah, I, I didn't think of that. That is a good point 
But I, Doug Armstrong doesn't really strike me as the GM to sort of play play games like that. He doesn't really seem like the guy that tries to play 3D chess all that much. He he seems like a straight shooter. Um, knows how players are valued. Know how knows how his team is valued. So if Doug Armstrong thinks that Gabriel Landeskog would be a good fit for this team, and he thinks that he wouldn't be overpaying at whatever price they and would would hypothetically agree on, then this move will happen. But if it if it comes down to Landeskog's asking for more than his perceived value, and Armstrong doesn't love the idea of of the back end of that contract, then he won't be signed. You know, Doug Armstrong isn't isn't a GM whose job is in jeopardy. He's not going to go out and sacrifice the future of this team to bolster up the the roster for this year and next. So if it makes sense financially, it'll this move could happen, but. I think right now it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, and until free agency gets closer, we're not going to really have too much of an indication on Landeskog's true asking price, but who knows? Doug Armstrong hasn't really paid anyone above $7.5 million ever, I don't think, and so if you're Gabriel Landeskog and your number's at 9 to $10 million right now, I think the sweet spot for both parties is 8 I think what we've been talking about here is a, is a safe bet that if you can get to 8 or around there, Doug Armstrong could be very well walking away with Gabriel Landeskog. But the Seattle Kraken could be walking away with the St. Louis Blues players, and some other team might be walking away with Vladimir Tarasenko and Vince Dunn before then. So we're going to break it all down for you guys here on the Locked on Blues podcast right after this break, so don't go anywhere. The protected list for the St. Louis Blues is being submitted tomorrow. It seems like everything's gearing up towards this expansion draft, towards this entry draft, and towards really this insane offseason that everyone's expecting for the St. Louis Blues to get underway, even though it already feels like it's underway with the Landeskog talks, with the Kachuk talks, with the Tarasenko talks, and the Dunn talks. How likely do you think it is that Tarasenko and or Dunn get traded before this expansion draft? And if they do... How does this protection list look? I think the Blues are in a really unfortunate situation where they don't want to keep a player that they're inevitably going to get rid of, and they don't want to have to protect a player that they're inevitably going to get rid of in Vladimir Tarasenko. But every team that is interested in trading for him knows that he wants out, knows that if they don't trade for him now, he's going to be available after the expansion draft, and no team really wants to just volunteer up an extra protection spot for a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko, who in their mind they can get after the expansion draft. You know, the only scenario being the Blues leave him unprotected and Seattle takes him for nothing, which I see as a next to 0% chance just because he's demanded a trade. And as, as low as you think the value might be for Tarasenko, you would much rather have him you know, fetch you something rather than nothing. And and if the argument was, oh, you you leave Tarasenko unprotected and you protect Vince Dunn, that's the only scenario that I could see, but that's not possible because Vince Dunn is a defenseman, Vladimir Tarasenko is a forward. As of right now, I really don't see anything other than tomorrow rolls around, both of those guys are still on the roster. Vladimir Tarasenko gets protected, Vince Dunn doesn't. And honestly, I would see Vince Dunn getting taken by Seattle unless the Blues have some sort of deal like, oh, we'll give you a, a third round pick or we'll give you this player to let us keep Vince Dunn and then we'll re-sign him. 
but I, I don't see either of those two guys getting moved before tomorrow. Obviously, I would love to see that happen because it would make the expansion draft a little bit less complicated and the Blues could sort of go into the expansion draft with the roster that they're at least planning on having next season. Um, and then looking at trading Vladimir Tarasenko after the expansion draft, it, it gets it becomes a whole different story because you're using a protection spot on a guy that you're guaranteed to trade and it puts even more pressure on Doug Armstrong to get a good return because not only are you losing Vladimir Tarasenko, you're also potentially losing whoever would have been protected in that spot had you traded Tarasenko before the expansion draft. So it, it's the timing is not ideal for the Blues. Yeah, and I think that's why Vince Dunn is so important to this package. If there is a package trade that is in the works or is going to happen, um, is for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, I feel like Vince Dunn, honestly, probably has a larger market of teams that are interested in him because of his youth, uh, because of his resume, because of his analytics, all of those things um, that are probably more interested in him than they are in Vladimir Tarasenko. So I feel like uh, even if after the draft, it's going to be difficult for the St. Louis Blues to move Vladdy, which it sounds like it's going to, especially uh, with a 10-team list that seems like a lot of those 10 teams aren't interested really in pursuing him. Um, if you're adding Vince Dunn to the fold in that in that package, I feel like a lot of teams will have their attention a little bit more. Uh, but the issue with that is, like you also stated, if Vince Dunn isn't protected in the expansion draft, it's almost a sure bet that he's going to Seattle, right? So yep. unless unless they work out some sort of trade, I don't see a scenario where they don't take Vince. Right. Dunn. So what I'm getting at here is if you're like, say, the Kings or Calgary or any other team that's interested in Vince Dunn, you have essentially until tomorrow to trade for him. Right. So it's like on one hand, you're definitely right about being in a corner about Vladdy and like teams expecting him to be moved after the draft. And that's definitely going to happen because like we said on this pod before, I don't see any scenario where he's back with the St. Louis Blues come next season. But if you put Vince Dunn into that fold, it definitely complicates the situation a lot more uh, for teams that are interested. Uh, But I think it sweetens the deal for the Blues as well. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see uh, what happens. And if they do pull off a trade, even if it's for a minimal return, uh, I think that would be in their best interest, just so they ensure that they're getting something from both of these guys. Because at the end of the day, uh, I just hate seeing players like Vince Dunn or Petro or Flatty or anybody really with that kind of magnitude that had an impact on this roster uh, leave for nothing. I think you described it perfectly. It's very frustrating because it feels like there's been so much build up to these trades. And even though, like I said at the beginning, that I, I would definitely foresee Tarasenko, you know, sticking around and, and getting protected, it really is frustrating because. Now the domino effect of this Tarasenko trade is not only are you losing a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko for what I still suspect is going to be an underwhelming return, you're also being handcuffed in the expansion draft and you don't have as much freedom as you would like because you're being you're now being forced to protect a guy who's demanded a trade, but no team wants to trade for him because they know that, like I said, they don't want to protect him and unless the blues for some reason leave him exposed to Seattle, that same trade that you had offered before the expansion draft is going to be available after the expansion draft. So why waste a protection spot on a guy that you could just go out and get after the expansion draft ends? Um, And it's just a very frustrating spot for the blues to be in because their hand is completely forced right now. And 
as much as we talked about trading Vladimir Tarasenko before the trade request, the Blues had leverage there that they do not have now that he's he's demanded a trade. So uh, until they make that Vladimir Tarasenko trade, every other move is second priority. And it's frustrating, especially with something as big as the expansion draft where you're forced to evaluate your roster in a way that the Blues are. And, and you can't do that as honestly as you would like when this guy who's demanded a trade is, you know, pretty much you're forced to protect him unless you want him to leave for nothing. And granted, maybe if they leave him unprotected, maybe Seattle doesn't even take him. But I don't know if you can take that risk if you're Doug Armstrong, if you're the Blues. The only appeal is it frees up cap space, but that's cap space you're going to get freed up regardless if you trade him, unless you trade him for a guy that's making the same amount of money. So uh, Doug Armstrong's hand is very much forced right now. And it's going to be interesting to see how he sort of tiptoes the line on this one because he does not have a whole lot of room for error in these coming days and these coming weeks. But I do have a lot of faith in Doug Armstrong as a GM. And if anyone can get the blues out of this pickle, it's him. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a bumpy ride, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the blues come out on the other end. I think that's a question that Doug Armstrong's certainly asking himself right now is how much do you value the protection spot that would essentially be taken uh, by Tarasenko compared to the return that you could potentially get for him? Uh, because it doesn't sound like the market is very hot for Vladdy. So if you are protecting him uh, and, say, leaving a guy exposed like Barbashev, I think you need to ensure that Seattle is taking Vince Dunn instead of Barbashev if you are going to protect Vladdy. Uh, but there's also a possibility that Vince Dunn isn't packaged and still is traded before the expansion draft uh, and the team just wants him. So if if he is traded before the expansion draft and... The question is whether or not you protect Vladdy or Barbashev. I think I'm protecting Barbashev all day. I mean, I could see the argument there. These hypotheticals are rough, I know. Ugh, I know. I, we, but I'm just trying to break down like every scenario, you know? We spent the whole like like Stanley Cup playoffs going like, oh man, this offseason is going to be so fun. And now now that it's happening, I'm like, wait, no, never mind. I lied. Take it back. But I, do th- I think after the expansion draft, it's going to be a little bit more positive in terms of like Landeskog talks maybe a backup goalie talk um that whoever else they decide to bring in in like depth and like saying goodbye to guys is always like never fun but uh if they do decide to move on from Jaden Schwartz that's a lot more cap space if they decide to move on from Tyler Bozak that's more cap space so as of right now without without signing Schwartz and without signing Bozak the Blues are I believe at 17 million dollars in cap space um and then obviously, if they do bring bring back Schwartz, that number goes down, um, and or Bozak. But Hoffman moving on well. from Vladimir, Ter- yep, yep. So that's that's seventeen million without those guys on the books. So bringing those guys back would would bring that number down. But then on the flip side, getting rid of a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko brings that number up to over twenty million dollars and gives the Blues a whole lot of room to play ball to sign a first line and second line winger and potentially a backup goalie and potentially a third-line center, and a first-pairing defenseman. So as much fun as all that cap space would be, it's not like they just have, they're just going to have a field day to go out and do whatever they want. There are going to be glaring holes on this team if Schwartz, Bozak, and Tarasenko are all gone, and Vince Dunn. So it is going to be a lot of money, a lot of cap space, but they're not, they're not going to have as much freedom as I think a lot of people might think. They're going to be kind of handcuffed in terms of having to fill certain holes on the team. Granted, I do think that you know twenty four million dollars is more than enough to fill in all those holes. So they could go and make a splash, and, and instead of having that 
left winger be Jaden Schwartz, who not obviously is great, um, but they could bring in someone with even more impact like Gabriel Landeskog, and that is the freedom that 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 amount of cap space would have. But again, you do have to be cautious because the cap is staying flat for the next few years, so you can't you can't cripple yourself too much. You know, you can't go right up against the cap this off season, especially with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo most likely taking bridge deals. Um, you need to leave some wiggle room uh, for for contracts down the line. So it, it's going to be interesting. Um, and like we've been saying for days, weeks now, Vladimir Tarasenko trade is, is domino number one to fall in what's going to be a, a chaotic offseason. It really feels like the St. Louis Blues team could have some new flavors come next season. But if you're a big fan of flavors, Built Bar has nine delicious ones. So you got to check them out. Because not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. So you can check out the macros. You have 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories ranging from 130 to only 180. It's only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. And like we said, they have amazing flavors. They're all tasty and they're all healthy. They have coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, Cookies and cream, German chocolate. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Do it. Pull out your phone. I know it's on you. If you're driving, maybe don't. You can wait. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. When we come back, we're going to round out today's episode uh, with some overarching talk about the expansion draft, the protection list, and who we might see. A familiar name might be on that list, but he's not on the Blues anymore. So we're going to get into that, so don't go anywhere. I know we were talking about it a little before this episode, uh, but it sounds like Jake Allen could potentially be on his way to Seattle, as well as TJ Oshie as a possibility for the Capitals. So a little bit of a Blues reunion there, especially if, if Vince Dunn heads over there as well. Uh, this Seattle Kraken team could look a lot like St. Louis Blues of old. Are you going to be a Kraken fan? I know it's hard to kind of be a fan of an expansion team when it almost feels like sometimes that they're they're handed this team on a silver platter and they get to essentially have all of these things lined up for them right off the jump. Obviously Vegas is safe from the expansion draft and doesn't have to lose anybody. Seattle will have that have that delicacy as well, but how hard will it be for you not to root for this team if TJ Oshie, Jake Allen and Vince Dunn are a part of it? Very difficult. First of all, the jerseys and the logo and the color scheme are spectacular. Um and the just the just the the vibe, you know, Seattle's a big sports city. Um, and they've they've missed you know they they lost their basketball team, um, a few years back a few years back, a while back. Um, and similar to you know St. Louis Rams fans, I feel like they 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 feel wronged by that, and they've they've clamored to get a big sports scene back there by then. And hockey's a, a sport that I don't think that I don't want to say not, Seattle isn't familiar with, but so, hockey's brand new in Seattle, and I would love to see. Um, it's sort of similar to Vegas, just the fans absolutely embracing it. And as frustrating as Vegas's cup run was, um, it was great to see that city embrace the team as much as they did. And it was great to see that, that ragtag group, of uh, uh, forgotten players Misfits, come together and, and 
and it was it was a great story and as frustrating as it was now that the blues have won a stanley cup i'm a little bit less um, angsty I'm, I'm a little bit less of yeah i'm a little bit less of an ebenezer scrooge when it <laughs> comes to when it comes to other teams having success um so i, I would love to see seattle you know go out and be competitive maybe not a stanley cup right away because they got to wait their turn that's not fair mm-hmm. um no, but I think that teams are going to be a lot more careful now after what happened with Vegas. I don't think we're going to be seeing like Riley Smith and Jonathan Marcheseau being traded so they don't take whoever the, whoever the heck it was. I don't even remember. I but, don't think we're um, going to see a lot of trades at all, to be honest. No, I, I don't. I think it's going to be very different. I think Seattle's going to have a much more difficult time than Vegas uh, just because teams are going to be a lot more cautious because they know that what can uh, happen. it's not – Right, yeah. it's not like the expansion draft of old when teams were just getting screwed and given terrible teams, and and I mean we've seen it. Minnesota really hasn't ever found their footing, um, because you know their expansion draft was so much more difficult than what it is now. So I, I think both ends are true. I think the expansion draft is a lot more lucrative for teams now, but also teams saw that you can't just go in and, and be and throw caution to the wind and just try to try to pull off pull the wool over the eyes of these expansion teams they've done their scouting they know how to build a good team and if it's anything like vegas this seattle team is going to be at least close to competitive year one especially if jake allen is is their starter or their 1b goalie as we as we are very familiar with him, him flourishing in that role um, if TJ Oshie is there, if Vince Dunn is there, it would be really, really hard to root against them. The expansion draft is the 21st. It's going to be aired on ESPN, I believe, as well. It'll be the first major one on the Big Boy Network. So it'll be exciting to see NHL kind of in the center stage on ESPN. So we're going to get into all of that later next week. But for today, I think that's all the time we have. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Locked On Blues podcast. Make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're currently listening to. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Locked On Blues. You can follow me on Twitter and Spotify Greenroom at 12 or 15. You can follow Josh on Twitter and Spotify Greenroom at Josh Hyman NHL. But like I said, thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues.